Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity, or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa McHugh McGrath, recording 3,208 miles from Horsham, Sussex, England, where we are earning our true crime badge today, y'all. Parrots intersecting with crimes. Yes, parrots. Those cheeky Okay, let's go. Hello everyone, here we are coming in hot with season 5, and of course, downloads have dropped considerably since I took the break. Weird. That's how these things work though, but I have a plan. There is no bigger market in the podcast game than in true crime. We got murders, we got burglary, we got the biggest true crime stories today, and they all have one thing in common. Birds. Yes, the same kind of bird, specifically parrots, that got kicked out of President Andrew Jackson's funeral for swearing too much, no surprise, is the number one narc in the animal kingdom courtrooms around the world. But before we get to the birds, literally, metaphorically, physically, all the elites, I don't even know, but I have some big news, and you might have noticed that there is a new sound in your ear holes when this podcast starts. Back in January, I was invited to join the Podfix Network family, and I am so excited. I thought I would take a couple of minutes just at the top, and I'll make it as brief as I can, to address the changes um, and the biggest questions in the order of the number of emails I have received regarding the change. (laughs) One, ah, will everything change? Fred in Montana. No, not at all. This is still me doing all the things, but now there will be support from other hosts, guest opportunities across other shows, stuff like that. But your show, you're the the one right here that you're listening to, this is not going to change. That was really, really important to me when I was trying to figure out if I even ever wanted to join a network with this show. The show at its core will always be come for the cat butt science, weird trivia, Stay for the deep historical deep dive, science breakthroughs, and WTF current events. Still an all-ages show. WTF is what the flock. Number two. We need to talk about ads. In other shows, they are so obnoxious, and they occur every six seconds, and they break up the storytelling. I hate them. Maria from Topeka. Look, I get it. I get it. I have stopped listening to shows that I've enjoyed 
that either don't do ads well or just shove them in everywhere wherever they can. What you will notice now is that there will be a flashy Podfix Network clip at the beginning. You heard it already if you've made it this far. And at the end of each episode, book ending the show. There might also be some occasional ads that will be placed in an unobtrusive spot, probably just before I go into the main story or just coming out of it. Um, And this will not affect the storytelling at all. I promise. And hopefully, and this is the main point, I will run promos for some of the other Podfix shows, as they will also do for me, in the hopes to bring more ears to this little show. Um, I still, I'm not ever going to get rich doing this show. That was never the intention. I just wanted to make people curious and be able to talk into a microphone, because I like to talk, about things that make me excited about these animals intersecting with humans. That's it. And to hopefully spark curiosity and interest in initially kids during the pandemic and then eventually to adults around the world, which is crazy to me that people listen to this show in Finland and in England and in South Africa and in Korea and all of these places. And and the UK. Turns out I'm huge in the UK. Who knew? Um, pants are two legs things here, but it's always funny to say pants when you're in England because they're not that over there. <laughs> um, I still depend mostly on the Patreon members for help to offset the hosting fees, website costs, all that stuff, and extra coffee because this is truly just a hobby for me. This is not going to be my full-time job, not that I can ever foresee. Um, I'm not looking to get pod famous. I just want to share the love of these weird little animals and how we intersect with them. And I need to make sure that that experience for it to work is going to be enjoyable for you as well. And nobody likes hearing ads for mattresses every 45 seconds um, or CBD oil or any of those things that don't fit in this show. I'm not going to run things that don't fit. If I choose to run them, I will be picky and I'm going to put them where they will not be obtrusive uh, for your listening experience, I promise. Um, but I will, and and the whole point of me joining this network for me um, was to you know, kind of support these other shows that are kind of like mine and these other hosts that are just kind of doing this as like a side hustle and a fun project for themselves um, and to promote those shows. And that's pretty much why I'm here and and why I made the decision to do it back in January. Number three, what's your favorite bread? Jordan from Georgia. Big fan of rosemary focaccia, but my favorite bread is always the loaf in front of me. Thanks for asking. Four, these three questions in a row were part of a similar theme, so here they are. One, I'm new to listening. Two, you were highly recommended. Three, my friend said you were weird and I had to check this out. <laughs> Where should I start? <laughs> okay, Um. thanks for your honesty. Um. Well, honestly, what I say is if you see a title that you like, just jump in. Um, The only two running jokes that I can really say that really don't, you don't have to have a backstory on them to understand that there's just like a sound effect there, but the only two real running gags are a swearing parrot from episode eight that is a censored beep, um, which you will actually, because the topic today is swearing parrots, um, you will actually hear a bit today. President Andrew Jackson taught his pet parrot 
pole to swear like a sailor. The bird was kicked out of President Jackson's funeral for cursing. Plus, it's an episode, the whole episode at the time I was doing them, they were three short stories. Sometimes they had a theme, often they didn't. But that particular episode was all about frisky birds and swearing parrots and birds. Some of them had set things on fire on purpose. Most of them were just swearing and cursing. So if you happen to go back to episode eight, that is a fun one to jump in on. Um, I think it's called The Profane Presidential Parrot. Um, so you can give that one a shot. The other running gag that you will hear is from episode 22. And I don't think I realized it was that late into the run. Um, this is where a bunch of political leaders died in very stupid ways at the hands of the animals that, um, that, that literally changed the course of political maps in history. Um, including one where the king of Greece was killed by an infected bite from a macaque. Monkeys aren't pets, y'all. And this turned the geopolitical world on its head again. Wouldn't be the last time. So that you will hear a dong, which might actually be in this episode. I don't know, but it is in a coming episode. I, I'm recording a whole bunch today. But it's a it's a church bell that goes dong that denotes either a funny death or a monumental death. If it's a real sad story, that is not a sound effect that I play for effect. Um, if it's truly somebody who died doing something that they love to like make science better, there was a case of um, Shark Boy was last season. There's a young man who was attacked by a shark. And a pot of dolphins saved his life, but then he went back out to defend the sharks and to work for the rest of his very short life, saving and speaking up for sharks, the ones that had tried to kill him. And it was a very powerful story, and he ended up dying in a car accident later, complete fluke accident, and he was very young. That would not be a case where you will hear that sound effect. Um, so I try to use it often for comedic effect when I'm talking about really old history, but that's really it. Episode six is all about the time the Oregon Highway Department was charged with cleaning up a beached whale. So highways and beaches, you might be asking, make sense? No. So instead of uh, consulting with biologists, the highway department went the wily e. Coyote route, dynamite, hilarity, and Scheidenfreude ensues. Or there might be the episode where a Newfoundland named Harry Mann saved 180 shipwrecked Irish immigrants off of Wreck Rock and brought them to safety on the Island of the Dead. That episode also features a Newfoundland who indirectly was tied to Napoleon's missing penis. But that's a different story for, uh, you know, for that same episode. Which funny story on Twitter, the title Harry Mann gave me a sensitive warning content for people scrolling through, even though it's a hero dog. <laughs> a dog, y'all, it's a dog. And the irony of this ultimately being a story about feminism and immigration being flagged because of a hairy man is eh, tale as old as time. Anyway, there's the time Australia went to actual shoot 'em up war with machine guns and lost to their national bird, which happens to be the flightless emu in episode 35. And let's see, my last recommendation for new listeners, oh, yeah, the deep dive on the patron saint who killed a whole lot of people using pigeons to get revenge on the uh, the tribes who had killed her husband. Yes, I did say pigeon murders, and the pigeons were doing the murdering. Patron saint, episode 50, Olga of Kiev, 
which I replayed after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I feel like that <laughs> we should just keep playing that story forever. Um, so if you're new to Bewilder Beasts, welcome. There is definitely something for everyone here, I think. I hope. You can learn history, you can learn science, you can learn about current events, all by investigating the infinite ways in which animals intersect at humanity. So basically, come for the cat butt science and stay for the deep dives on history. So I think that's a long enough introduction. I'm really sorry this runs long. For new listeners, they do not run this long. I usually try to keep it under four minutes, but it's the first one after break. There was a lot to catch up on, a lot of things to address up here at the top. So we're just going to buckle right in and get to the story, shall we? So a warning right here up at the top. This entire episode was supposed to be birds at crime. So I was thinking robbery, punkish behavior, but no. Three, the first three of four stories are all parrots. And in three different parts of the world at three different times in history were the witness to break open murder cases. As a result, there will be discussions of murder in this episode in all three of these cases. And I will preempt by saying that I know that this is not a true crime podcast. This is not my lane. Um, There are enough of those and I am not interested in being in that sphere for more than literally this episode. But I found these stories interesting and the possible future implications of using animals as witnesses in humanity's worst crimes was something interesting to think about. And so if this is not your jam, I often thousand percent understand and it's probably bad form for my first show on the network to be a big disclaimer about listening to the show on this network but um there are real victims in here and and I don't want to make light of the fact that some people here have died and and that's why this announcement I do hope you stick with the storytelling today and if not uh, bounce it's fine I will see you next week with an unusual story about an animal who became gainfully employed at an auto repair shop in North Carolina. Okay, so with that said, let's get into this, okay? Here we go. The story that started me on this whole journey was a story I read a few years ago, uh, a few, yeah, it was a little while back in a children's book about animals. And this particular page in this kid's book was dedicated to a cop who left his house for the day. I think he went to get groceries. I no longer have this book in my charge. (laughs) Anyway, the cop went out. Some interlopers decided to make entry and try to rob the joint. What they did not expect were the sounds of someone repeating the phrase, stop or I'll shoot, get down, get down. And the robbers hit the deck, as honestly I would too, and they stayed there with this voice screaming, don't move or I'll shoot. Well, the officer comes home carrying his bags of groceries from the Piggly Wiggly or wherever, and he found three strangers on his floor, hands on their heads, probably looked like they peed their pants because in my mind, they totally peed their pants. And his parrot was yelling, stay down, don't move. But I generally like to find more than one source (laughs) for stories like this. And I I just couldn't find this story anywhere in the New York Times or even a wiki machine. So if you happen to know this story and you have a source, please send it because I would like to do it more justice. It was that story that sparked this entire episode today. I did find some darker stories of real parrots solving real crimes though. And this first one, I could source in so many places because it's circulating like wildfire right now. 
Yes, I do listen to some true crime podcasts, and and this one has come up not as a deep dive case, but as a conversation starter. And when I couldn't find sources for the parrot stopping a robbery, I decided I would just look into the case that I actually had sources on. And in this case, it was a woman in Michigan who was locked away for murdering her husband. The key witness in this murder was Bud, the woman's African gray parrot. Now these parrots, they don't only just repeat human language and other sounds like car alarms, but they can also mimic voices. They can also live for 60 years or more, which incidentally is about the length of time that this woman can expect in jail. Apparently in 2015, Gianna Durham, aged 48, shot her husband Martin Durham five times before turning the gun on herself. This story is absolutely tragic and awful and so, so sad. Um, but things may have taken a slightly different turn and justice may have been a longer road to walk had it not been for Bud the Parrot. According to the prosecutor in the case, Bud started just repeating the phrase, get out in Martin's voice, followed by where will I go in Gianna's. The conversation the parrot seemed to be repeating always ending with don't shoot in Martin's voice. Martin's family, as well as Martin's ex-wife, who is now Bud's caretaker, believed the parrot was repeating everything he heard that night. Lillian Durham, Martin's mother, is quoted by saying, That bird picks up everything and anything, and he's got the filthiest mouth around. Pole would be proud. I'm not bringing up this case to recreate someone's end of life, but to highlight what came next. The prosecutor, Robert Springstead, was faced with an interesting dilemma. The only witness to these events was a 14-ounce bird, who, like most of the birds on this show, swore like a longshoreman, but how many birds have been put on the stand in an actual court of law? And that's what today's show is about, birds intersecting at criminality. Robert Spring said, the prosecutor said, quote, I'm not aware of any legal precedent for that, referring to putting the bird in the witness box. Certainly, as we work our way through this case, that might be something we can look at, but I highly doubt there's a precedent for that. He also noted that it would be difficult to swear in the swearing bird. Quote, when a judge asks a witness to raise his or her hand, to a parrot, what are you raising, a wing or a foot? I mean, it's a good question, right? But in this case, Bud was not called as a witness, as the clues in the case were pretty clear. There was a note written to the couple's children from their mom, the evidence was in the home, all of it, all pointed to Gianna. Bud was a dud witness. But that does make me think, how many other times has a bird been involved in a murder? Oh boy, there are many. I was so surprised. <laughs> Google parrot murder witness and the Google machines blow up like crazy. All right. So aside from being a spoiler alert for uh, season two of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, this question also took me to a story in Pakistan. Check this. A retired police officer was interviewed by several news outlets on this, not necessarily for retiring with a super impressive record, which he did, and not for catching the Pakistani version of the Golden State Killer, which to my knowledge, he didn't, but for the famous case in his region that he solved by going to the birds. Officer Hussein, the hero of this story, rolling into the scene, and it was pretty bad. So there was a young husband and his wife who had died in bed. 
They were both clearly shot. There was also a note nearby, an apparent suicide note indicating that they did this to themselves, which is utterly tragic. But Officer Hussein, eagle-eyed cop that he was, knew this victim outside of the scene. The husband worked at the bank, and Officer Hussein knew that he was a right-handed person. However, the bullet marks in the victim's neck indicated someone shot him on the left side, which is really, really, really hard to get the trajectory right if you are right-handed. Officer Hussein noticed that there are three parrots in a cage. Quoting the article, quote, According to the ex-cop, one of these parrots looked sharp. <laughs> End quote. I have a lot of questions as to how someone can tell if a particular parrot is sharp. But apparently, Officer Hussein has a great, uh, has great judgment in bird intelligence. And he also had a feeling. He called the assumed smartest bird over in the cage who repeated the phrase daku daku. Daku means robber. Then the parrot repeated teen daku, three robbers. So what is the officer supposed to believe? A note that is an apparent suicide written maybe by the people who are lying in the bed as victims or a caged bird? Well, this is Bewilderbeast, so we applaud him for going with the bird. And he started treating this scene like a murder scene. And it's a really good thing he did, because eventually, the evidence led the police to the bank's guard, the guard's wife, and the guard's brother. They were all arrested, questioned, and pled guilty to the couple's murder. So it's unclear in this story if these three parrots were known for any language atrocities, this is, funny enough, the very first story I've done on this show in all of my years of doing Bewilderbees that did not mention something about a parrot having foul language. I just assumed they all did, but never fear, the last story has swearing birds in spades. Picture it, 1940s, 1942 to be exact. New York City. Max Geller was probably behind the bar of the Green Parrot Bar and Grill that he owned. It's said that this bar was named after his pet bird who lived behind the bar where most people would keep the Midori and go home your too drunk stick. Max Geller was widely known as a great member of his community and this little bar in Harlem was perfect for the regular crowd. You know the kind of regulars I'm talking about. You see them on shows like Cheers where everyone knows your name. But in this case, instead of everyone knows your name, it was really just the bird. The parrot who, yes, swore like, well, a parrot, knew all the regulars' names and would squawk out each person's name as they entered the dive bar. So on the fateful night, Max was behind the bar when an already inebriated man entered. Given that he was right-toasted already, Max refused to sell the wannabe patron any more booze-a-hole, which, as you can imagine, did not go well. It's at this point in a crowded bar that the man pulled out a gun and shot Max and left. Max eventually slipped into a coma and died three weeks after the incident. And here's this for perspective. British scientist Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin in the 1920s. It would be the mid-40s before this was a widely used antibiotic in cases like this. 
1942, around the time of Max Geller's injuries, we did not have reliable antibiotics yet, y'all. This was not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. This was 81 years ago. Many of us know people in their 80s who lived in a time without antibiotics that save lives. Unfortunately for Max, because of his injuries and we weren't quite there with antibiotics yet, Max eventually passed away three weeks after being shot through the throat. But here's the weird part. No one would or could say who shot Max. Sure, dive bars are dark and sticky and loud. And sure, everyone is likely there to do one thing, get absolutely sloshed. It was 1942. The United States had just entered World War II. Again, not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. People were scared. Women were going into work for the first time. Men were going off to fight the good fight or whatever that's supposed to mean. Everything was upside down. And not just that night in Harlem, but that window of time to just about, well, now, really, still now. Yep, still now. But on that night, the patrons of the bar were in their cups and didn't notice the murderer stumble in or know who fled the scene. The police interviewed everyone, but no one saw anything. Even the bird was no help. He only parroted the same line. Robber, robber, robber. Maybe he's related to the Daku 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 bird in Pakistan. After about three weeks, the police re-interviewed everyone at the bar. And thanks to one hunch, the police decided to think of the bird's call not as robber, but maybe the name Robert. Knowing that the bird called out everyone's name and following the records left behind by Max behind the bar, the police discovered that there was a cabbie named Robert who was a regular. Robert Butler curiously also stopped showing up for work at the cabbie, cabbie taxi place, the livery, the, I don't know, the place where you go and you pick up your taxi and you drive people everywhere. There, he stopped going to work, guys. That's the, the thing. He stopped going to work in the days after the shooting. When following that lead, the police discovered not only did he stop coming into work, but he also stopped coming into New York City. Hmm, a clue. Police eventually found him caulking in Baltimore, which caulking in Baltimore is the name of my smooth jazz album, and brought him back for questioning where he admitted to the murder, but he said he shot in self-defense. Quote, Max Geller pulled a knife and charged at me. End quote, which I kind of feel the patrons of the bar likely would have heard something more if things escalated from knife-wielding bar owner followed by a gunshot. Robert Butler was eventually sentenced to 15 years at Sing Sing Prison for the murder of Max Geller. Because the butler totally did it, I've seen Clue. And he was narked on by a parrot. And this last story, and this is my favorite, it has zero murder in it. Zero zilch. It's actually quite funny. And if there were enough to do nine pages on, this would have been the entire episode. So for sticking with me through these narky birds... Here is my favorite, a bird arrested for criminal mischief. I came across this on Twitter and I talked about it a little bit in this month's Patreon um, or last month's Patreon exclusive. Um, 
there was a tweet. Haha, <laughs> birds tweet, get it. Okay, I'm not even sorry. Where at Campbell X Emma said the following. Thinking about how Dutch police arrested a bird for taking part in a robbery, put in a jail cell with bread and water, and when the media reported on it, they put a little black bar over his face to protect its identity. Y'all, I looked at the photo. There's this little colorful bird, teeny pudgy little thing in an interview room with a little black box over his eyes to, as Emma said, protect his identity. This is in Time Magazine, so it is sourced. In 2019, ah, those were the days, police were busy arresting a shoplifting suspect in Utrecht in the Netherlands. But while taking the shoplifter into custody, police said, quote, During the arrest, we found a sneaky witness with feathers and a beak on the suspect's shoulder. The police in the Netherlands are not monsters, and this wasn't a blackbird in America, so he wasn't shot. Dutch police gave the witness, again, a bird, bread, and water. And when they put the little bird's image on social media, they also barred the bird's beady eyes because, well, you just can't blast anyone's identity on social media. That's just rude. But if you do get a minute, check out the jailbird on Twitter. The link is in the description, or just look for the Time article written by Rachel Greenspan in September 2019. It is so wholesome. So I guess the moral of this entire episode is don't get a parrot. Because if you do, you will absolutely, with 100% certainty, probably get murdered, and they are narcs. Nothing good comes from parrots, except for all the stories we get to tell about them, telling people to go... And... With a spoon and a... And your... Oh my... And that's a quote that I can't source from time. Just the conversation I had with the last parrot in my life. Dirty bird. So thank you for joining me today on Bewilderbeasts. We are back, yo, season five, and it is good to be back behind this microphone. Big thanks to my friends at Podfix who like this show enough to ask me to come hang out with the cool kids on their network. So go find out what they're doing over there. They have fun. They have varmints, a vast anthropology, planthropology, which is anthropology with a PL. I got there. Two drunk mills if you're a millennial like me, and we are older than you probably think. Y'all, I'm in my 40s. I'm old enough to have made, well, not all of my bad decisions, but most of my bad decisions 20 years ago. So give it a shot if you're into that kind of thing. And for all the patrons who keep this show afloat, I was able to take a break, recharge, and work on other projects, find, I hope, stories for everyone for the free feed for the next few weeks, and if, and still put out at least one new episode a month for those people who are paying for this nonsense. So thank you. Thank you for coming on this ride with me. And with that, I am Melissa McHugh McGrath, a dog trainer and behavior consultant in Southern Maine, giving a few presentations on dog training shenanigans in the coming months on Raising Canine, I'm a Victoria Stillwell faculty advisor for the VSA Dog Training Academy, a dog trainer at the Animal Welfare Society in Kennebunk, Maine. And y'all, I wrote a book. I stay busy. And as always, thank you for listening and stay curious. I got today's information from the following sources, bbc.com, thedodo.com, inverse.com, geo.tv on the Sindh cop who solved the double murder, Hannity, the policeman who left from work that with the 
expert that supposedly stopped the burglary. I still can't find the source, but I remember the police officer's name. And authorstevewillard.com on the Green Parrot Bar. Um, this was in New York, uh, New Yorker's magazine um, book called The New York Annals of Manhattan Crime, published in 1988. Newspapers.com and thecinemaholic.com. Music is tiptoe out the back by Dan Lebowitz. Interstitial music by MK2. All other music and sound effects are found at freesound.org and pixabay.com. Go check out those artists if you're into doing your own show. They are the best. And that's it. If you have stories, topics, need to tell me about other animals of criminality, send it in to bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com or voice text from that website. I will see, speak, whatever. All of y'all next week. I've been talking too long. I'm out. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.